We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to a Thursday edition of the Rotowire NBA podcast, presented as always by WinBet. Make sure you're checking out uh, the good folks at winbet.com. Uh, WinBet, a, a fantastic place to be placing any bets on the NBA playoffs, which uh, Alex continue to be, I think, relatively boring in a lot of ways. Um, you know, looking forward to what, what looks like might be a Boston Celtics Golden State Warriors finals. Maybe that's going to bail us out. Uh, of what's been kind of a lackluster postseason. You know, we've, we've had a lot of series that have been close, but we have not had a ton of games that have come down to the final possession. And, you know, once again, that was the case last night in, in a game that was close early, uh, score-wise much closer than a, a lot of the games that we've had in this series. But, um, you know, Miami was just so, so bad offensively throughout this entire game, 31% uh, from the field as a team, 7 of 45 from beyond the arc. Uh, as a team, I mean, really nobody showed up. Not a single player, I would say, had a good game for the Miami Miami Heat offensively. Um, defensively held Boston to 93. I mean, the defense has been fine, really, on both sides. But, man, it's it starting to feel like Miami is, is really falling apart at the wrong time. Yeah, this is kind of our last pod. I, I was pretty confident that the series was over for Miami, and mostly based on injuries, right? And the thing was, like, full transparency, I kind of thought the Heat would win this series. Um but the injuries just have racked up too much. Uh, Butler, yeah. another poor performance, especially one of five for three. If you're forcing Butler to make threes or to take threes, you're probably going to be winning those games. Adebayo kind of has a small resurgence game, but it just doesn't matter when you're getting like 0 for 6 from Kyle Lowry, 0 for 9 from Max Struess. Um, It's just I they, they don't have enough right now. They don't. Uh, I, I mean, Kyle Lowry looks... He's, he's at like 20% of, of what he used yeah. to be. I think part of it is the hamstring. Part of it is he just looks washed. I mean, he's 36 years old. He turned 36 in March. I mean, he was awful. He had a, he had an air ball. Uh, I don't know if it was late third or early fourth when the game was still competitive. Um, I, I think it was in the fourth quarter that fell like 
I mean, it was legitimately like five feet short, like barely even brushed the bottom of the net on a wide open catch and shoot. Uh, I mean, he is, he's completely done. I know there are a lot of people saying after the game uh, on Twitter, you know, heat writers, otherwise that they just have to go to Gabe Vincent, you know, because Lowry's just not giving them anything. I think he has 14 combined points over the last three games, terrible shooting over that span. Uh, He's been really disappointing. I mean, Jimmy Butler continues to insist that he's not injured, but he was putrid again last night, four of 18 from the field. Uh, But, but really, I mean, you're not, we've seen this with, with a number of teams in the playoffs already. It's happened to Dallas a few times. It happened to Milwaukee at some very inopportune times against this Boston defense last round. You know, it it doesn't like you're not you're going to struggle to win games when Jimmy Butler's going four of 18 and Kyle Lowry's going all of six. But when your role guys are are not knocking down open threes, it's almost impossible to win in a modern NBA unless the other team is doing the same. And honestly, for a lot of this game, I mean, Boston was 10 of 33. It's not like they had a fantastic game from beyond the arc. This game could have been a lot uglier uh, if Boston made its open threes. But yeah, like you said, when Max Struess is not hitting anything, when Vincent is going one of seven. Uh, Lowry 0 of 5 from 3, Oladipo 0 of 3. Even Duncan Robinson got 10 threes off in 28 minutes in this game. He goes 3 of 10. Um, you know, it, it, it is a cliche to say that the NBA is a make-or-miss league, but it feels like that's becoming more and more true uh, with each series that we watch. On the on the extremes, yeah. Yeah, if you're below 30% or you're above like 40%, that, that, can, just, that can just be the entire story of the game and almost nothing else matters unless there are, again, more extremes in terms of like offensive rebounding. Because um, the Heat, the Heat even won the, the the Heat won the turnover battle. They had 19 offensive rebounds compared to Boston six, which is the reason that basically they only lost by 13. Right? They had like a really bad third quarter where yeah. they lost. Miami Heat lost the third quarter, 32 to 16, but the rest of their quarters were decided by three or fewer points. Um, but yeah, when the when you shoot seven of 45 from three, it's just. There, I, I don't even know. I, it's hard to imagine a team has missed that many threes in an NBA game and has ever won. I'm not, I don't know. I, I'm sure it's happened at some point, but yeah, I mean, seven of 45, like once you get over 40 in terms of attempts, like you have to hit at least 10 or it's going <laughs> to look really, really stark. Like that number just, just looks ugly saying it. Um, you know, Miami's down to 31% from three as a team in the playoffs. So like on average, they're basically going like 11 of 35 yeah. from three on every, on any given night, which doesn't sound as bad as seven to 45. Uh, it's not as bad, but still not great. I mean, they, they haven't figured it out really at any point. They've had a few games where it's come around, but um, it, it kind of reminds me of the bucks last year where we kept waiting for like, all right, they're, they're, they're due for one of those like 18 of 35 games from three. And it just never came. And they were able to win the finals anyway. But I think, I think the heat at this point are just, they have to be, be declared like not a good shooting team, even though there are guys on that roster who in the past have proven to be good shooters they have not been able to do that with any consistency at all in this round, in the last round, even dating back to round one against Atlanta. Well, it's, it's hard when you're like when you're relying on your role guys to shoot, and most of them are like pure shooters, right? Like this is not the case with the Celtics. Tatum's a great three point shooter. He's one of their key guys, also a good defender. Marcus Smart, he can you know he's streaky from three, but he's one of their core yeah. guys. Plays good defense. Same with Jalen Brown, Al Horford as well. When it's like your only real sources of threes are these guys like PJ Tucker, super, super role guy, although probably, you know, he's good because he's good on defense, but like you're relying on Struess and like Caleb Martin and Gabe Vincent and Duncan Robinson. It's like these guys, they're not like they're depth in the sense that they've been developed by Miami to be rotation players, but that doesn't mean that they're great for a playoff series, right? It's like the Bucks have had this issue as well. It's like, yeah, George Hill can shoot some threes, 
you know, like Grayson Allen mm-hmm. just kind of disappeared in the playoffs because he just was, he couldn't do anything except, you know, stand out there and shoot her. It was a disaster. So it's tough when your key guys aren't three-point shooters. Well, or if they are three-point shooters like Robinson and and like Max Struess and, you know, even Lowry has shot the three really well the last couple of years. Um, if they're not knocking them down, you know, you're like, what's the point? Especially those guys like Robinson and Struess. You know, it's like if you're not out there, yeah. you know, if you're putting up 10 threes and you're not hitting like at least four of them in a game like this, it's a glaring minus. Like that's the risk that you, you know, it's kind of the same reason that like Kyle Korver hung on for so long and like teams toward, toward the end of his career, they would like throw him out there. Like it was like a hostage situation. Like, all right, <laughs> can we steal, can we steal four minutes of Kyle Korver being on the court yeah. for it to pay off? Like what we're hemorrhaging on defense for this to pay off, he needs to go out there and hit two threes over the course of six possessions, you know? And when guys like that aren't hitting threes, I mean, it's just, it's a glaring minus. And I think we're seeing, you know, the absence of hero is big. I mean, I, I don't think it's as big as you know, what is it? The last two games have been decided by a combined 33 points. You know, I, I just not like Miami wins both of those games if Tyler Hero is healthy, but I, I think just the lack of any sort of plan on offense uh, for like 80% of the possessions, uh, especially in the second halves of these last couple of games, I mean, it's gotten really, really ugly. It's, you know, it, I think we're starting to see, you know, what separates guys like Jimmy Butler from, you know, true, like unassailable top eight guys in the league and what separates a Bam Adebayo from, someone like Giannis, you know, who like, yeah, bam, at times he can go in transition. He can run, he can finish, he can create his own shot to a, to a very limited degree. Um, but you're, you know, you're kind of seeing the limitations on some of these guys. You are. And it's like, yeah, when, when the rest of the team is, is banged up, it's just like the Celtics defense is elite and might be one of the best defensive teams in NBA history. Right. Especially if we're just talking like post like second half of the year. And they're doing that against teams that are like fully healthy. They, I mean, they make great teams look bad. And when you're Miami and you're just less than hundred percent and Boston only has to guard like very few things. Um, it's just, it makes it so easy for, for Boston. It's just, you don't, you can't stand a chance if you're not hundred percent and your offense isn't, you know, like playing nine out of 10 or something mm-hmm. like that. So are you very, very confident that Boston finishes this out tomorrow night yeah. in game six? Yeah, I would have. I, you know, I, I thought buying it, Boston minus 170 to win the series yesterday was a, was a complete lock. Um, yeah. yeah. It, it's funny how quickly the, the heat culture thing seems to have worn off, right? Where <laughs> you know, they, were, they were kind of this team that no matter what, it's like you're going to have to battle to the finish. That's kind of been the whole mantra around them. And it just, it really, a lot of it can be chalked up to injuries. I mean, it, it, and there's not, it's hard to say because there's not like, you know, it's not like somebody, you know, broke their leg or something in game two. And you could say like, man, if they had this guy, it's like, it's just been a combination of like seemingly the entire roster playing this whole series at somewhere between 50 and 80%. Right. Yeah. And that's just, at, at some point that's going to break down. And um, I think the the place it naturally breaks down is kind of here against the Celtics. So I am expecting I'm expecting a Celtics Warriors finals, which I think we we talked about like a week or two ago is I think is exactly what the NBA wants, but not for not not for like bad reasons. Right. Like it it kind of feels like the natural conclusion to the season. It should make for probably the best NBA finals scenario out of like the remaining four teams, even even if the heat were healthy, you know. So assuming that happens and that's the series that we get and there's no catastrophic injuries between now and then, like, what do you think that series opens up at? You know, like what is what is the series line? Um, that's or tough. even or even which team is favored? I, to me, I think well, that's it what I mean. Yeah. State. probably Golden State because they 
are they gonna they're gonna have game seven at home because they so want they, have, two the, more they have the better record but the Celtics are the higher seed oh well I'm not sure I honestly am not sure what which one is the tiebreak on that. <laughs> I actually don't know either some NBA fans we are I feel like it should be record though um but yeah I mean if I I don't know man it's really tough because we like I, I kind of mentioned on last pod I feel like the Warriors the Warriors have looked really good at points um but I still don't feel like I feel like the Celtics have proved more throughout the playoffs to an extent um I feel like the Warriors going up against this Dallas team I don't know how like I wasn't even expecting this Dallas team to like I, I know some people are saying like Dallas a dark horse finals pick earlier in the year I'm like that's crazy like there's no way so maybe I have a lower expectation of Dallas and some other teams. They didn't look that great against Memphis. Um, and maybe I'm clinging too hard to that. But I, I, I won't be surprised if if Boston won the NBA Finals. Like, I, I think, I mean, if this if this series line opened, you know, both teams minus 110, I don't think that's crazy. No, not at all. I think this would be a extremely, extremely close finals. I, I think Golden State would get the very slight edge. And we're assuming that... Um, you know, maybe both these series end around the same time. There, w- there wouldn't be like a massive rest advantage, I guess, with Golden State uh, failing to close out Dallas uh, in game four the other night. Uh, I- I'm looking on Google right now. I've gotten, I've gotten two, two, like one answer to each uh, possibility for the home court thing. The first result said goes to the higher seeded team. The next result says it's determined by which team has the better record. So I don't know. We'll, <laughs> we'll find out. Like, I guess when game one starts, we'll just be like, oh, like, oh, wow, they're in San Francisco. Great. Right. Um, We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. 
What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. So I want to switch gears and talk about All-NBA. We'll, we'll try to keep this to a short episode, but uh, we need to do kind of a post-mortem on the All-NBA teams, which were announced earlier this week. Uh, quickly, first team, Jokic, Giannis, Tatum, Doncic, Booker. Second team, Embiid, Durant, DeRozan, Morant, and Steph Curry. Third team, Carl Anthony Towns, LeBron James, Pascal Siakam, Chris Paul, and Trey Young. Uh, before we dive into you know historical comparisons and, and things like that, any any complaints here? Any you know glaring omissions? A player who you know is on first team who you think should be on third team? Anything like that? Um, I mean, not. I don't think really. I mean, I think in theory, well. It's tough. I mean, in theory, I would, I would I would want, you know, Morant or Curry over Booker, for example. And I might even argue I would rather have Chris Paul over Booker, which I think when we did our All-NBA pod, I said I would I would rather have Chris Paul over Booker. Sure. So that's kind of my main sticking point. On the other hand, I get why he's there, and I'm not – I don't think it's, like, egregious. No, I, I agree. And Booker is clearly the one who stands out on first team. I – I tweeted this the other night when the announcement came out. It's like, you know, he had the best year of his career. The Suns were a 64-win team. That was the best team in the league by far. Uh, There's no real obvious guy that he should have, you know, that should have had it over him. Like, you know, I I think Curry would have made some sense. I I also would have gone Chris Paul over Devin Booker. Uh, But, you know, Curry tailed off quite a bit. And, you know, Chris Paul missed some time at the end of the season. John Morant obviously missed a ton of time. Trey Young's team was like won like half as many games as the Suns. So like there's not a clear, there's not a clear other guy who you could very clearly point to and say this is the one who should be on first team. So like it's 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 kind of his spot by default. I get that, but it just doesn't like when you look back at some of the other, they're really any All NBA first team. I mean, it's guys who are you know for sure top five to seven players in the league for sure lock first ballot, no doubt are Hall of Famers. Uh, and, and maybe that's how we'll see Booker in a couple of years. Maybe this will be the first of three straight first teams for him. Uh, but it, he, he's definitely the odd man out, I think, among this crew. I think so, yeah. And I mean, I, I think if we were, you know, and some of it's the games played too, right? And you have to factor that in because, you know, Booker plays 68 games, Morant plays 57, you know, Durant plays 55, Curry plays 64. I mean, he'd be close to Booker in theory. Um but yeah, I, it's just, if you go back and throughout history, there's always going to be guys who are like, that guy was first team. Um, but if, uh, on the other hand, if you look back in five, 10 years at this first team, I think it will actually kind of tell the story of the year in terms of like, oh yeah, this, you know, the Suns 60 win team Booker was really good. Yeah. Well, I mean, part of it too is Damian Lillard, who's always in the first or second team conversation. He's out of it. You know, Bradley Beal was an all NBA guy last year. He was out of it. Um, you know, Kyrie Irving essentially took himself out of the race. Ben Simmons was a, a third teamer as a guard a couple of years ago. Like a lot of the players who have been in this discussion in recent years, James Harden too, who you could basically pencil into a first team yeah. spot for most of the last decade. Um, so there are a lot of combined factors, I think that led to this, but no, I don't, I don't think we're going to look back and say like it was a bad vote or anything. Like I looked at the voting breakdown. It was pretty definitive. It's not like Booker snuck in there. Uh, I mean, I think it makes a lot of sense and you know, maybe uh, that's, more, more than anything, I think it's the reward for just how dominant the Suns were. I mean, they were clearly the class of the NBA during the regular season. And ultimately, all NBA teams are a reflection of the regular season, first and foremost. I, I will say, you said, you know, you can go back in history and 
and pick out guys who don't necessarily fit. I, I think the forward and the guard spots for the last two decades are almost perfect every single year. The ones you could pick out is are the centers because you know you have to force a center onto some of these teams. So you know, like Joakim Noah getting first team in 2014, DeAndre Jordan getting first team in 2016. Uh, kind of a perennial All NBA guy for a few years there uh, was DeAndre. But other than that, I mean, we, we could if we really wanted to dig in and parse through, I'm sure we could pick a few out. But you know, it's a lot of LeBron, Durant, Kawhi, Harden, Westbrook, Curry. If you go a little further back, you get you know a lot of Chris Paul, a lot of Kobe. Um, those spots were kind of on lockdown from a group of like five or six guys for a good 10 year span. Yeah, that's true. That's true. The second position is tough because you only get one. Um, so that, that can make things kind of difficult. I mean, I mean, just, I mean, this year individually, now that I'm looking at it more, I think maybe we will look back. I mean, it's sort of revisionist because the Warriors are about to go into the NBA finals, but I think we will probably say Curry should have probably been on the first team over Booker. Because they played basically the same amount of games. Um, I mean, if you you know you can quibble about the percentages of like, well, you know, Booker actually shot better from the field and from three, and their stats were basically identical. Team with a better record, blah blah blah. But I just feel like no one is picking Devin Booker over Steph Curry. Like, it it just I I don't know. I feel like that's the one thing we'll look at, yeah, and and be like, it probably should have been Curry over Booker. I think what you have to keep in mind is the context of when the voting took place. Like Steph Curry, remember, got hurt in mid-March and missed the final, I think, 11 or 12 games of the regular season. So meanwhile, the Suns are surging. Chris Paul's out. Devin Booker is like, you know, scoring a ton of points. He's all of a sudden, he's the point guard as well. The Suns are cruising to the one seed and the Warriors are limping to the finish line while Stephen Curry missed the final month of the year. So I, I think that probably colored the voting. Like if Steph missed the first 12 games of the year, and played his, you know, his best stretch of the season, what his, was his last 15 games, then he's probably on first team. Yeah. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Um, yeah, I'm looking at all time. So I, I saw this tweet. I, I won't get too deep into the weeds on this, but I saw this tweet about guys who have already made, like, fewer all-NBA teams than than Luka Doncic. Um, and I think this is – this must be updated, right? I mean, he's – Doncic has made two now, two all-NBA first teams, if I'm not mistaken. He's made um, he's made three. So I, I actually, oh, I, if you're looking on Real GM, that list is not yeah. updated quite yet. So you have to add one for all the guys that made it this year. Okay, so he has the same as Giannis. He's got the same as Iverson. Same as Kawhi Leonard already. Um, that one's that one's kind of crazy. Same as Steve Nash. Same as Scottie Pippen. Same as Bill Russell. Although he Bill Russell is you, we talked about centers fraud. being weird. Yeah, fraud. Fraud. You know, you stuck behind like Wilt. Perennial second like teamer, that. Bill Russell. He, he, won, he, he won. has the actually. most second teams of all time. Eight of them. Um, yeah. And like, it kind of is uh, at first, at first you're like, wow, that's, that's really surprising. But then you have to kind of put in context, like what Doncic has done through the first, like, you know, handful of years of his career is, is pretty crazy. Um, it is it's just, yeah. I was shocked. So, I mean, this year felt like a first team all NBA year for him due in part to a lot of the reasons that we just talked about, with Devin Booker. I mean, he's in the same boat as a guard. I was surprised that he made first team the previous two years. Like I did not remember that happening. Um, Cause it, it's kind of felt like, you know, he's had somewhat disappointing uh, regular seasons relative to expectations, you know, being out of shape, seemingly kind of always banged up. Um, but I, I think at the end of the day, you just, you look at the numbers, you're like, these numbers are unassailable. I mean, they are young LeBron type of numbers 
when you're talking points, rebounds, assists. Um, you know, the efficiency still has a long way to go, which is kind of scary because at some point he's probably going to get there. But to, yeah, be, he was, to be now riding – or sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, well, basically it was between him and Damian Lillard last year is what right. happened. He got 55 first-team votes. Lillard got 38. And I remember mm-hmm. – I, I do remember having this debate with you on who should get first-team. And I think I, I think I said Lillard, but I don't, I don't quite remember. I, I don't remember having like the strongest opinion in the world on the on the Doncic Lillard All NBA debate last year, <laughs> but uh, I, I think I remember probably caping for Chris Paul once again. Which oh just, yeah, always it seems like such a good idea at the time, and then you fast forward a month, and I'm embarrassed to say that that's what happened. Uh, Julius Randle, by the way, second team All NBA last year. Remember those days? Uh, can, but can you say he did not deserve it? He definitely deserved it, right? I think he deserved yeah. it. I mean, it was, Butler and Paul George were the forwards on the third team, and you know they, they were good, but missed time last year. I mean, I, I think I, I think that was justifiable. I think so. Is uh, is Demar Derozan the Julius Randle of uh, this year's second team? <laughs> I, I think so, but like I can't see it going th- this bad no, next I season. I know. You know, like I, I think I think he is like a, he's like a like a cooler guy than Julius Randle. So like I'm, I'm okay with it. Like the Randle thing, even at the time, you're like. Man, uh, he had a nice season, but look, if I if I had to pay that guy a max, I don't know if I would do it. Um, and with with DeRozan, you know, he's older. Like it, it, this kind of feels like a, a legacy. Um, you know, I wouldn't say legacy changing All NBA for DeRozan, but you know, he had not made an All NBA team since 2018. So he'd gone three straight years without making it, and then bam, back on the second team. Yeah, I mean, he he had been pretty good for a while. I mean, in San Antonio, yeah. he was really. I mean, he wasn't getting any love because they weren't winning. Um, but he would he was really kind of rounding into form as a player. So I think, mm-hmm. I think having, even if it's the only all NBA team he has under his belt or he gets like a third team next year, I think that's a good representative of kind of what his career was. Yeah. Um, fun fact, Paul George, most third team, all NBA selections, NBA history with five. Wow. I, I know, I know at some point there wasn't a, a th- yeah. third team, all NBA. I think that's like a fairly recent development. Uh, you know, so like the Dolph Chases of the world, you know, never really had a chance to to grab hold of that one. But yeah, five time All NBA third teamer. One more than Carmelo. Uh, Jimmy Butler also four times. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're gonna see a lot of that with like the centers, right? Because yeah. of the position scarcity. But when you see it with a wing, that's kind of interesting because, and Paul George is is always like. <laughs> I always see these like clickbait debates on Twitter about like, who is Paul George better than? Would you take Paul George over this player? Cause he's such, yeah. he is like that exact type. It's like, well, he's probably like, yeah, he's a top 15 guy, but you know, it's just that weird. It's that weird zone. It, it's, it's the Jimmy Butler zone where right. it's like, yes, this guy's very, very good. But if he's your number one, yep. yeah, you know, maybe on any given night, I would you could convince me 100% that Jimmy Butler is way better than Paul George. And on any other given night, you could convince me that Paul George is way better than Jimmy Butler. Like, just <laughs> when you think – I feel like Paul George has had more moments where you're like, all right, this guy – you know, I think his highs have been higher. Like, he, he finished second in MVP not that long ago. Yeah. Jimmy, like Jimmy Butler has not had a season quite like that. Um, but, you know, I mean, it, it, part of it's been injuries with PG. Like, I, I think he's, he's always had a higher ceiling. It's just, um, you know – you got to wonder at this point if he's ever, you know, fully going to reach that. I'm going through the list of all NBAs right now, trying to pick out the most like egregious uh, in hindsight players. And I don't think Booker is going to end up on that list. I think, you know, maybe he'll be like an honorable mention, but like Julius Randle for sure. Second team last year is on that list. 
I'm throwing out the centers because like Andre Drummond making third team in 2016, <laughs> like that's just not normal. Like in normal yeah. circumstances, that would not happen. Uh, but it's it's really, really tough to to find a forward or a guard that really jumps out at you um, as not making a lot of sense. I mean, you had the Isaiah Thomas season in 2017. That was kind of the guard version of Julius Randle in yeah. a lot of ways. Um, you know, Pau Gasol in 2015, I believe is a with, member of the Bulls. With the Bulls? Yeah, with yeah, the Bulls. He, as the 34-year-old Paul Gasol, who had not even been an all-star for three straight seasons before that, came out of nowhere uh, to make an all-NBA team that year. Zach Randolph made an all-NBA team at one point, a third team. Um, Goran Dragic in 2014 made third team all-NBA. But really, other than that, you know, and none of those are that bad. You know, they're, they're just kind of like, oh, yeah, that guy was pretty good that year. Um, you know, there's, there's not a situation where, like, a guy who's, like, the 40th best player in the league all of a sudden ends up on an all-NBA team. Right. And talk about that Dragic year. Uh, it's like, well, he averaged 20 points and six assists and shot 50% from the field. So that's pretty good. How do you think, uh, how do you think LeBron's 40 player of the month awards will stack up on his legacy compared to Jorgen's 16? Very, very good question. Thank you for bringing this up. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I thought you were going to bring up player of the week where he has smoked oh. Jordan, you know, even more convincingly. Yeah. In that category. I think he's a like 60 time NBA player of the week. 65, 65, 65 times. times. Yeah. So <laughs> if that doesn't settle the debate, I, I don't know what does. I, I actually, so my first inclination with that, like player of the week, player of the month was, oh, they must not, you know, they must not, they must have started that in like 1994 or something, but, but no, like they started it back in like the early eighties. So somehow Jordan was like not pulling home every single, they must've been a lot more discriminatory about it back then of like, all right, Jordan can't win it every week because for a while there, it felt like LeBron was, was getting every player of the week, every player of the month. Yeah. Well, they do separate it by conference, right? Ooh, now they do. Yeah. Maybe back then they didn't. Maybe back then they didn't. Yeah. That's a good point. That's, that's the kind of stuff you're only going to, those are the, those are the only kind of mind bending questions you're going to get on the road aware fantasy basketball podcast. Yeah. A podcast that the framework of it is like, let's just talk about all NBA for <laughs> hopefully a half hour. That's pretty much exactly uh, what, what I messaged you this afternoon. Um, yeah. I don't, again, I don't have any quibbles uh, on this year's teams. It was a very weird season. Uh, it it yeah, felt, it was. I don't know. I, I would like to actually get Jeff Stotts one of these days to run the numbers Ooh, on, yeah. you know, injuries versus past seasons because it certainly feels like there were more, but I also wouldn't be shocked if he ran the numbers and said, no, you got, you guys just kind of forgot this is how it is most years. Um, but it, it really felt like a strange season. The playoffs have been equally strange. Uh, but but at, the, at the end of the day, I mean, you still have most of the marquee names from this season making the list. Like, you know, LeBron still snuck on to third team. Uh, Curry still made second team. You know, Chris Paul still made third team. Durant, even with very few games played, made second team. Uh, I, I, no major complaints. I, I think – you know, the one name who came to mind as like a, a possible snub, I guess, is Gobert. But he, too, is the victim of there just only being three true centers on these on this team. You know, if there's a fourth team, he's very clearly that guy. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I, it would be between him and Adebayo. And I know, like, if you want to really dig yeah. into the numbers, Gobert got 33rd team votes and Adebayo got 16. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Towns... I think Towns was deserving of third team. I think, you know, the narrative, the narrative on Gobert has shifted pretty harshly and maybe he's a victim of that despite his, I think him still being very good. But um, I think Towns, you know, the, the Wolves season being kind of surprising and him still posting ridiculous 
shooting numbers and and you know he's mm. nearly four assists a game and stuff like that I, th- I think he's deserving as third team and again minnesota closed strongly he cl- he closed strongly like at the timing of the vote definitely matters i would almost, i would love to see uh you know like i think there should only be one official all nba team but i would love there to be a vote at like a third of the season two-thirds of the season end of the season just just to see like where everybody stacks up kind of like a leaderboard you know like if you're playing um, if you're playing like NBA 2K, you can like see who's leading the MVP race throughout the year. Like I would just like <laughs> right. to, to kind of check in and, and see how different it would be after one month, you know, one month into the year or two months into the year versus end of the season. Yeah, I think that would be interesting. I mean, may, hey, maybe there'll be a, a midseason tournament all NBA team. Uh, well, there's a first and second team all seeding games. So I actually I would actually That's, imagine oh that there probably God, will I be. forgot about that. I gotta yeah, they're probably yeah. they probably will be. I mean, honestly, though, the thing is, if they're going to do the midseason tournament, they might just do a subset of midseason awards, like official midseason awards, right? That'd be cool. Like midseason, okay midseason All-NBA team. Yeah, that'd be fine. I mean, I, I think you would still want to give more weight. Like, you know, the, the All-NBA team of record would, of course, be the end-of-season All-NBA team. But yeah. yeah, even if you just, you know, you, you make it just a – you know, like a legit award, I guess, but not like something that really matters, you know, just, just to kind of check in. And it, it, I think it would almost be more for the fans. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I mean, I'm sure there'll be a mid season tournament MVP, mm-hmm. you know, that sort of thing. They're going to do whatever they can to, to give out more awards, I think, and, and stuff like that. But yeah. So this, this is going to be a great trivia question someday. Uh, all seeding games team, first team, Devin Booker, Luka Doncic, Damian Lillard, James Harden, TJ Warren. Second team, Giannis, Kawhi, Porzingis, Karis LeVert, and Michael Porter. I mean, Porzingis looked pretty good. Uh, I do like remember three, that. Three years ago, you could tell me that was like the current All-NBA team. Right. <laughs> yeah. How things have changed. I don't well, remember Porzingis lighting it up in the bubble at all, but uh, apparently that happened. I think he had like three good games, but that's all that counts, all you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. So we'll, we'll finish on this and we'll get out of here, make this quick. Um how many of these guys are, are are locked in? You think for next year? Like if you were if you're mapping out uh, all NBA predictions, which we will eventually do, uh, you know you, you kind of have to pencil in Jokic, right? I think you have to pencil in Giannis, who is now a four time defending unanimous first team choice at forward. I, I guess you have to pencil in Tatum. I, I think that's probably fair. You probably pencil in Luca, and then you you know I think it's also fair to say that you leave that other guard spot open. But any any complaints about? putting those other four guys at, at least in pencil. I think, I think Tatum is going to have to compete against Durant and LeBron still. Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But you know, LeBron is in his what 20th season, 21st season, something like that. And Durant, I, I feel like people have gone way too far off Durant now after that sweep, like people have just decided like somebody, I, I don't remember if it was Bill Simmons or, or whoever his guest was on, on the most recent pod said Durant is now the eighth best player in the NBA. Like, I, I just don't, I don't think that's true. I, I still think Durant, you know, at his, like Durant's best game right now versus Tatum's best game, Durant's still better. Well, he had exactly the eighth most first team votes. So uh, yeah, maybe that factors into it. No, I, I I'm with you on that. I think, I, I think forward is tough. You know, I, I do think Tatum and Durant and, and LeBron is going to be tough. And I mean, at guard, Doncic is going to be competing with who, you know, Morant, Curry, depends on Lillard, I suppose. I think Giannis is, I think Giannis, 
I don't know, man. Maybe Embiid comes out and has a better season than Jokic next year. I don't think that's crazy to say. So I think my only my only true, absolute true lock, I think, is Giannis. But I'd be surprised if those other guys yeah. didn't make first team. I, I think that's fair. I, I almost think that we could get some, like, reverse voter fatigue with Embiid, where it now becomes, like, because there's still a, a large faction of NBA fans who, like, really believe that he's better than Jokic. And I think I think we're going to see, like, if they – if they have like another, you know, very similar season like this year and last year, I, I think I think Embiid's going to get the nod next year just because I think there might be an overcorrection against Jokic. There could be, but then you're also you're kind of weighing down against. Well, if Jokic really does have Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. back, what if you know? I mean, they won they won 48 games this year. What if they're like a 55 win team next year and they end up, uh, you know, they end up with more wins than Philly or something like that, you know, and Philly's got Harden and Maxi and like uh, all this stuff, even though, you know, people are kind of down on Harden, obviously, yeah. but I, I, I get what you're saying. Like, I think there's a no, good chance true. it'll be another, I think it'll be just another like really heavy debate. Cause it's, it's a great debate. Yeah, no, that's true. I, I think I'm, I may be underrating how much room to grow Denver has as a team, you know, in Philly, it's hard to imagine them being like significantly better. The next year, given how the Harden situation went, you know, and unless that gets ironed out and he either starts playing differently or starts looking like his old self, you know, they're, they're not going to be dramatically better. They'll still be very good. Um, but, you know, Denver could Denver could conceivably win 15 more games if Jamal Murray looks like old Jamal Murray and, and Michael Porter looks like old Michael Porter. So uh, that, that is a good point. Who, which players that have not made an all-NBA team yet in their careers do you think you could pencil in for, for even, even a third or a second team. You know, I'm thinking the, the Anthony Edwards type of guys, you know, LaMelo Ball, like who, who could break through for you and, and potentially end up on, on one of these teams? That, that is a good question. Um, do you have someone in mind that sticks out to you while I look through this, this list of guys? I, I put together a small list. I mean, you, you mentioned Bam. I think he's kind of next up. Uh, although it's like if, if Jokic and Embiid stay healthy, you yeah. can always pencil those guys in. And, you know, Towns, Gobert, they're not going anywhere anytime soon. So that's going to be a really tough one to break into. And, like, even if you wanted to fudge it a little bit and, and like, list him as a forward, I don't even know if that helps your case all that much with, with how much talent there is in the league right now. Um, but Edwards is for sure on that list for me. I mean, like, Evan Mobley, it, it feels like maybe a year too early. I think he'll be on, like, the 2023-24 All-NBA team. Uh, right. Darius Garland, maybe with a couple breaks. Yeah, uh, it's, it's tough because, like, you know, like Kawhi Leonard – coming back in addition to Lillard, like I feel like at least one of those guys is going to end up on one of these teams. And like, you know, Paul George, it, it, he missed too many games to make one of these teams. Like Brad Beal is going to be back in the mix. Like it's, it's going to be more competitive almost certainly next year than it was this year. Um, you know what? Another kind of outside chance guy I had was Demonte Sabonis, who it, it oh, feels man. like he's always had the numbers. He's always been either the odd man out. You know, it's hard to justify like in years past, it's like, are you going to put him in? over LeBron? Are you going to put him in over Jason Tatum, over Jimmy Butler? Uh, it feels like he's always been on the outside, but if Sacramento could put together even a competent year, like, you know, you could pencil him in for 20, 12 and four, four or five assists. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's going to, it's going to ride a lot on him and Darren Fox making sense, um, yeah. which is tough. I wrote, I wrote down a couple names. Yeah. You mentioned Bam and Edwards. I don't really know what the DeJounte Murray situation is going to be, but he put up some pretty impressive numbers this year yeah. um it's just a matter of what the team around him is gonna look like i like your garland call halliburton's interesting to me i'm not i don't the problem is i don't i think indiana's gonna be bad again 
So this might be like a play, this, you know, maybe two, three years from now. Cause I mean, he's already proving to be like basically a 20 and 10 guy, like with two steals and three turnovers, which is yeah. crazy. Um, I think longer term SGA is on that list for me. You know, I'm the, I'm the number one SGA guy at Rotowire. Right. Uh, and then I think Levine, you know, Levine stays healthier. There's always a chance for him because he is, he's such a good shooter. He's so athletic. There's always a chance it comes together for him. He averages like, I, I don't know. I mean, it's tough that DeRozan's there now, but um, he's basically been putting up the same numbers as Devin Booker for a while. So if the team context kind of improves a little bit there, then he's going to be in the mix for third team. I mean, he's got third team numbers. There's no question about the numbers. The one guy I omitted, uh, and we'll end on this, because I assumed he made one already. I, I thought he was a, a third teamer at some point, but he's not. Donovan Mitchell. It feels like he was oh, very yeah. much on the verge of, of breaking through and, and getting one of those spots this year. And then a little bit of a slow finish for Utah. Uh, and, and then obviously, you know, playoffs don't count, but but losing in the first round the way they did was, was not super impressive. Uh, but it, it does feel like whether he stays in Utah, ends up, you know, kind of pushing his way to somewhere else. Uh, I, I think if you gave me like over under one and a half all NBA teams for Donovan Mitchell's next five years, I would probably go over on that. Yeah, I think I think Donovan Mitchell is is really good. Um, what I you know I I would I would love to see him on a team where he basically just gets to run the whole thing and they really just like give him as yeah. much usage as possible. Even if that's not the best thing for his career, I would I would like to see it. Because um, right now he's basically falling victim to there are a lot of guys in the NBA right now, basic, like roughly putting up 25 points, five assists, five rebounds. Like there's just, it's just a lot of guys, man, who fit that bill. And they, they become almost interchangeable as like third team guys, just kind of based on like record. I mean, you're talking like Booker, Levine, even Chris Middleton can, can trend yeah. close to those numbers. Drew holiday when he's, you know, if you were to like play a, a more involved season, it's like there are just a lot of guys who kind of fall into that mix. So I think he needs to do something to to stand out more. I I guess. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, the window—I wouldn't say the window is closing, but you know, you have so much young talent coming up that, like, you know, all of a sudden, Anthony Edwards and Cade Cunningham and Jalen Green and you know, who knows who else? Like, guys are just going to be older, and and you know, it feels like Doncic is going to hold one of those guard spots for the next ten years. Um, you know, like you can get passed by, I think pretty quickly where, you know, Mitchell a couple of years ago was on the short list of like, you know, is he going to be one of the seven, eight best players in the league? Like Mitchell versus Tatum was like a real debate and, and Mitchell's still very good. He's still very much on a, you know, all timer type of trajectory, but, um, you know, you can kind of fall behind your peers really quickly when those guys keep climbing. Yeah. I mean, this is, you know, I'm just, I just flipped this uh list open real quick but it's like guys who average at least 20 points and and five assists or roughly five assists i shouldn't say at least but it's like middleton 20 and 5 lamello's at 20 and 8 tyler hero put up 21 and 4 and one six man of the year anthony edwards we know about mccollum is is basically there as well like the scoring's a little lower but um jalen brown like it's just yeah it's a uh, loaded the league the is league, the league is actually loaded full of guys jordan pool um, Logan full of guys who can and are roughly around that stat range. Yeah. Loaded in general. I mean, it's, it was loaded right. even before guys like Jordan Poole came out of nowhere. You know, that's, that's the crazy part. I, I think we're, you know, we're heading toward a, 
it, it feels like it's been loaded for a while, but I think the next decade is going to be wild. And, you know, if we get, if we get two more teams and you can kind of thin out the town a little bit, I, I don't think that's necessarily uh, the worst thing, but we got to get out of here, man. Uh, we got Mavs Warriors game five tonight. Uh, hopefully that series could be extended just for the sake of not having to go a while without any games uh, before the final start. Uh, but I think we're both expecting Boston to take care of business tomorrow night. Um, regardless, we'll be keeping an eye on those games. Uh, we'll be back next week after the holiday. Uh, enjoy your long weekend, man. And we'll check in next week. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.